love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me, uh, let me start with a question for everyone, and that is this. Who likes change? A couple of people. Yeah, maybe two of you. And you're like, I don't, I don't know if I want to raise my hand because that's kind of a change. Um, but yeah, not many people like change. When, when we say who likes change, a lot of people do not like change, and, or they would at least say that they don't. And we all know that person and you may be sitting next to that person who you know doesn't like change at all, or you might be that person as well, um, that just things need to always be the way that they've always been, and, and any kind of change is, is odd. In fact, there are many of you who I, I know you always sit in pretty much the same area in the room every week, and you all know who you are, because it's just about literally all of you. And so I am someone who embraces uh, change probably a little more than, than the average bear. Um, I embrace it a little bit easier than most. I don't like the idea of this is how we've always done it um, or this is the way it's always been. Um, I'm just not that guy. And maybe that's from my art background and different things like that. I don't know. It's just for me, those, I'm, I'm always kind of looking for the next step in that regard. But Believe it or not, even though many of us, in fact, all but three of us, uh, didn't raise our hand and said we don't like change, humans are desperate for change. We really are. We really are desperate for change. Now, the extent of that change is debatable, right? Um, but when you think about New Year's, and you think about what we just celebrated and still kind of in the midst of, you know, it tells us something about the human condition and the human obsession with change because New Year's is really such a big celebration of what is essentially turning the page of a new year of things being new and different. And we celebrate with, with parties and, and parades and a big shiny ball dropping in New York and all of those things. And there's New Year's resolutions. And that's always a thing. And I'm not going to get into that. Um, but, you know, we celebrate this last day of the year and going into the new year with excitement about the start of a new one and, and planning and all of the ways that change in the new year could be, uh, could be an exciting thing. And so in, in many ways, we really are, as, as people, we are desperate for change, um, but we're also fearful of it. We're also fearful for change. And we want consistency and we want stability. And so in a lot of ways, we're like riding a roller coaster at Cedar Point. You know what I mean? We love the ride, and we, and we love all, all the ups and downs of that. But at the end of the day, as much as you may like roller coasters, there is, some, uh, there is kind of a nice feeling of putting your feet on solid ground when it's all said and done, and, and knowing that, that you've got some stability there. And in this new year, we may be in a place of, of mourning our sorrows from last year, because there were a lot of those. Uh, we may be celebrating what we have planned for this coming year, or we may be looking at what's coming this, uh, this coming year as a challenge, and maybe it's a little bit of both. But I want to remind all of us today, myself included, everybody, I think we need to remember and look at the fact that while it is a new year, he is the same God. And those are the four words that I really want us to, to focus on here for a little bit. New year, same God. A lot of things change. Things change all the time. A lot has changed over the past two years in our life. 
um, various things. When we turn the calendar to 2020, I don't think any of us could have predicted or really knew what to expect that would bring us to 2022. If you think of all of the things that we've walked through and gone through, yet here we are. In 2020 and 2021, if anything, forced many of us to get used to change because if there was anything that was consistent over the last two years, it's that nothing was consistent and everything was changing and that we had to basically get used to pivoting at a moment's notice and that really became our constant. And we can look to the positive changes that the Lord is going to bring in 2022 for sure or we could look at the negatives. And we could focus on the negatives of it's not how we've always done it. And while there is a lot of truth in all of that, here's the thing. I've said this before. If you don't change the way you think, if you don't change and control what you think, you won't be able to control what you do. You have to control what you think, and then you'll be able to control what you do. Because what we do, our actions are really mitigated by our thoughts. And so if our thoughts and our, and our focus is not on the Lord and what God wants for us and what he can do with us and through us, then are we really going to have our life changed by him? Changing our thinking so that God can change our life. That's in many ways the whole idea of today. While our world constantly changes, listen, our creator does not. Our world constantly changes, but our creator does not change. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. We're just going to look at one passage today. I've got a couple other ancillary scriptures with it, but, but really just two, two verses I want us to look at today. In the book of James, um, chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, this is a reminder of who God is and really the confidence boost that we need, that we all need, as we enter into a new year that we know certainly is going to include more change. So let's read this. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chooses to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. So let's just break down this verse, these verses, of what he is really saying here. And let me just start with the first few words where he says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. As we start this new year together, let's not be deceived by the strategies of Satan. Because believe me, he is doing everything he can to come after you and to convince you to pursue the sinful desires of your life. To go after those things that, and, and trying to convince you that it's really going to produce Life and produce goodness for you, and it's not. It's not. Remember, Satan is only trying to seek, kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we can really more effectively resist the temptations that he throws in our way if we're at least acknowledging that he is doing this. There's another verse that came to mind uh, just last night as I was studying for this that's not on the screen, but I want to read it to you. It's in 1 John 2, 16. It says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Think about that. Right? A lot of football games going on right now. Um, you know, just ended and, and all those kinds of things. Satan has three plays. He runs three plays, and that's it. 
And they're listed right here in this verse. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Everything that he uses to come after you and to come against you can be wrapped up into one of those three plays. And believe me, he's going to use those to the fullest extent. And so James is giving us a warning right from the very beginning. Right from the beginning. Do not be deceived. Let's take this warning to heart as we enter into the new year to not be deceived by the world, to not be deceived by ourselves. And let's remember that good and perfect gifts are from God. Good and perfect gifts are from God. He makes this really clear. The good gifts, the perfect things, the good stuff that comes our way are solely because of God's grace and kindness and goodness to us because we don't deserve a thing and we haven't earned anything. You might be a great musician. You might be somebody who's uh, really smart, really intelligent. You might be a, a really good business person. You may be a really hard worker. Just something that simple is, is, is really valuable, is really a valuable gift. You may be somebody with a heart and a desire to help others in a big, big way that, that other people maybe just don't have or don't see. Listen, these are gifts from God. These are gifts from God, and by grace, he has given them to you, and there is nothing, there is nothing that you can do to earn them or deserve them, and there is no room to take credit for these things either because anything that we perform or achieve that is good and, and, and is prosperous for the kingdom is not because of anything that we've done. It's because of what he has given us, the abilities that you have, the things that you may have worked on to get better at, and used to benefit yourself, your family, and others, those things, those are a gift from the Lord. Those things are a gift from the Lord, and he has chosen to bless you with those things. Now, we can ruin them, and we can pervert them, because we have free will, and I'm sure we have seen, and maybe you can even think of times in your life, I know I can in my life, where I've taken the gifts, the good and perfect gifts that God has given me, and I've messed them up, and I've screwed them up, and we've seen people and, and we know people who have done that because we do have free will to do with what we choose with the gifts that God has given us. We can abuse them and we can pervert them. But how are we measuring? That's really a question that I want to ask right now. Are we measuring on an eternal scale? When we look at the gifts and the good things that God has given us, and the abilities that we have, whether it's abilities, resources, talents, gifts, whatever that might be, are we measuring those things on an eternal scale? Or are we measuring those on our own scale? The ultimate goodness and, and grace and, and the gifts from God, we have to measure on an eternal scale because that's really the scale that matters. And it may seem to only be good right at first, but it could be something that leads to destruction. For example, you may hit the lottery and get a boatload of money, and that may seem really good right at first, but if we don't measure that and weigh that on an eternal scale and ask the Lord maybe what we should do with that, that's certainly a path that can lead to destruction, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And that can be applied to various other gifts in our life. God may have given you an amazing gift an amazing ability. Are you measuring that on an eternal scale? You may not be using it for the Lord right now. 
You may not be using it for the Lord, and, and, and you may feel like a shadow is cast over it. Maybe you feel like there's a shadow cast over certain areas of your life, but let me just say it this way. That's not because of him. It's not because of him. If you feel like there's a shadow over it, it could be because of you. Because there is never a shadow with God. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, as it says in John. And in verse 17 that we looked at in in James here, it says, The Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So, let me explain it this way. The sun and the stars, their light never stops. They never stop giving light. Even when we can't see them, they are still giving light. And when night comes, when nighttime comes, and it always does, the darkness is not the sun's fault. None of us sit there and go, it's stupid sun, right? It's not the sun's fault. The sun is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's shining, and it's there, and it's the same with the stars. The problem, the problem is what? The earth. The problem is that the earth turns away from the sun, and darkness comes. And you and I have the same tendencies. We have the same tendencies, and we end up blaming the problem on the sun instead of the fact that maybe we turned. We turned from the sun, the S-O-N, sun, and darkness comes, and shadows are cast, and we wonder what happened here. And we blame him instead of realizing that maybe we were the ones that turned from the light. But even so, even if we were the ones that turned from the light, hear me on this, there is never a shadow with God. The shadow that's cast is usually our fault because God never changes. God never changes. He is never growing. He is never maturing or changing or in the process of becoming more of himself. I don't know if you've ever really like thought through God that way. He's, he's never like, you know, getting better. <laughs> God doesn't have to like grow and, and get better. He is constant. He remains. He is always the same, which is why we can say he is the rock and he is the rock solid foundation. He is a firm foundation. God is not moody. We get moody, right? God doesn't have bad days. We have bad days. He's not generous one day and decides the next day, ah, you know what? I was a little bit stingy yesterday. I think, I think today I'm going to be a little more generous. He's not grouchy like we are. He is always the same, and he doesn't react. He doesn't react to me based on how I'm doing with him, and I praise God for that. <laughs> he doesn't react to me based on how I'm doing with him, and it's the same with you. He is faithful even when we are faithless. Look at 2 Timothy 2. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He can't stop being who he is, and he is always the same God. He can't stop being who he is. We can enjoy the fact that we have God with us without worrying about him being ticked off at us or getting tired of us. God's never like, I'm just so tired of this dude. Like, that's never God. He never gets to that point. He gives nothing but good gifts 
according to his plan and his purpose because he is a good God, as we sang about just a few minutes ago. Because he is good. He is good. We could sing that over and over and over again because he is good. And we can always, always count on him. Just like we can always count on things like gravity, like the laws of nature, right? You can always count on gravity. If, if we were to jump, you know, if, if I were to jump like off the stage, I can count on the fact that I'm gonna slam into the ground. You know, if you jump off something really high, you can count on the fact that you're going to slam onto the ground unless something catches you. If I throw this shirt out into the crowd, I can count on the fact that it's gonna come down. Anybody wanna test me on that? Anybody, you already have a shirt, stop it. Who doesn't have a Connect Church shirt that needs one? That's a medium. Oh, so, literally someone dove for it. Good grief. All right, here's the thing, yeah. Wow, that was interesting. Um, the, the, fact that, the fact that that shirt came down and didn't slam somebody in the face is a good thing. Um, but here's the thing, gravity didn't care if that was going at somebody's face. Gravity didn't care. That was going to come down wherever it came down, right? Here's the difference. Unfortunately, sometimes we put that same idea onto God and say that God is always the same and so he doesn't really care about our circumstances and about our situations. And that's just not true. Gravity is unfeeling, but humans, we have feelings. Humans are complicated, we are messy, we, you know, we are not laws of nature, we are not machines. Um, we are, God is not a machine and God is not a law of nature. While he set those things into place, it doesn't make him apathetic to our circumstances. And I think sometimes we think that God is apathetic to our circumstances and he's not. Sometimes we, we apply that same thing to him. Because if God can't change, and he doesn't experience change as a result of the forces outside of himself, which is true, then it must mean that he's apathetic and maybe doesn't care about our circumstance and our situation. But that's actually not true at all. In fact, he is the opposite of apathetic which is an amazing thing because he is immutable and impassable. And these are two big words that I know you never use in real life. But the reason these are important is because these are theological terms that we need to look at for just a quick second because they matter. Just like these core values that are on the wall matter to what we say are our core values and what we believe, these are important theological terms that we need to look at for just a quick second because the fact that he is immutable and impassable really tell us a whole lot about who he is. A lot of theology has been warped trying to really reconcile God's attributes of the fact that he does not change, which is what immutable means. He does not change. He will not change. He cannot change. And impassibility, which is that he is not swayed by uh, uncontrollable passions like we are. We change and we are swayed. Are we not? Absolutely. But this doesn't mean that he doesn't have concern for his creation. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care about us. That God does not change, that fact could make him seem to some like he is uncaring. But it's actually the complete opposite. God's unchanging attributes, 
His purposes, his character, they don't make him apathetic. In fact, they make him our firm and solid foundation because of that. He is the solid foundation, the solid foundation. We have the freedom to be a part of God's unchanging purposes for his creation, and that is redemption. His purpose for all of us is redemption, for us to be redeemed and then to walk others that we have the privilege to come in contact with into redemption and and connection with Jesus and with the creator. We have the opportunity to to really work for goodness and justice and and beauty and, and, and standing on the firm foundation of salvation that we have through God because he is faithful to his promises and he is always faithful to his promises no matter what. God is the giver of good gifts, but our enjoyment of these earthly gifts should always be with open hands. With open hands. Here's what I mean. Our good and perfect gifts that are from above, the things that God has blessed you with, the abilities, the talents, the the resources, all of those things, they should be considered and given as an offering to the Lord. We should be approaching the Lord from a place of surrender with these things that he's put in our hands. This is what it means when it says in James that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. That's what he's talking about. See, the earthly goods, earthly stuff, that's gonna fail us. But the creator will not. And the good and perfect gifts that he gives us, if we bring those to him with open hands, he's gonna use them in an amazing way. Look at Romans chapter eight. As Paul writes about this, beginning in verse 19, he says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Let me say it this way. Your posture makes his purpose possible in you. Your posture makes his purpose possible in you. The, the, the posture in which you approach the Lord with your gifts, the posture in which you carry yourself of surrender with open hands makes his purpose possible in your life. Because he never changes. His purpose never fades away. We can actually rest in the fact that our future is set and that we can walk into this new year in victory as we offer ourselves and our good and perfect gifts for the cause of Christ. But if we do that from a posture of clenched fists, holding on to these things, God can't use us. See, we as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are the evidence of God's creation and his redemption plan and that is freedom from sin 
we are the evidence of his redemption plan. He chooses to use you and me and for the world to see that for what is to come into the future. I believe 2022 is gonna be a year of purpose for Connect Church. I believe it's gonna be a year where we really step into and lean into our purpose in this coming year. But if we are approaching that year with clenched fists and, help, and holding on, and holding on to everything and not being willing to approach the throne of grace from a place of surrender with open hands to be used of God, it's gonna be a lot more difficult. We need to approach the Lord this way because when he places those gifts in our hands, when he puts those things in your hands, we have to be willing to put them right back at the feet of our Lord and Savior and allow them to be used. And so as we enter a new year, as we walk into a new year together, we have the freedom. We have the freedom not to hold on to the good gifts of last year and hold desperately to those things and to seek the good gifts of this coming year and all of the things that are to come along with that so that God can use us in a way that, that maybe we can't see coming in, in a way that, it, as, as the verse says in Ephesians, in immeasurably more than we could even ask or imagine as God chooses to use his church to connect this world to him because this world desperately needs it. You and I all know somebody or come across somebody or run into somebody every single day that desperately needs to connect to the good news of Jesus Christ and God is choosing to use you to do that. We can use these gifts and we can offer them and we can trust him with the results. Because he's not asking us for results. He's asking us to be obedient. Our job is to be obedient and to surrender and to trust him with the result. And that's why the connection point for the day is that God does not change. So trust him with your future. God doesn't change. So trust him with your future. A lot of things are gonna change in 2022, why would they not? A lot of things have changed the last couple of years. Why, why would anything be any different? But as we do, as we step into this new year together, let's, let's remember that his plan, his plan, not our plan, his plan does not change. And his plan is to redeem his creation, to redeem and rescue his creation. All of what he did on the cross all of what Jesus did on the cross and all of what he is still doing is a means to that end. It is all a means to that end. And so as we walk into 2022 together, let's walk with confidence. Let's walk in victory because we serve a God that does not change, amen? And a God that is not swayed, a God that is not having to be convinced a God that loves us no matter what, a God that never casts a shadow and that gives us purpose in a world that is the opposite of all of those things because he loves us so, so much. Will you bow your heads with me? What a great way to start off the new year by really just remembering that God never changes by remembering that even though a lot of things change, he never does. And that solid, firm foundation that we have in him.
And if you don't have that solid, firm foundation, if you don't know for sure that you're going to be with him in heaven, listen, I know 100% sure that no matter what happens today, that I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus if I were to die today. Do you know that? Can you walk into 2022 knowing that for sure? If you can't, I would love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. If you're watching online, I know somebody would, would love to just uh, chat with you and even point you to some online resources and pray with you in, in that way as well. But I would just encourage you to, if, if maybe you've heard this a hundred times, but maybe today, 2022, the first Sunday of the year is the day that, that you want to get that right with the Lord. I, I hope that the Holy Spirit continues to press on your heart and that, and that you may make that decision. And all of us, as followers of him, need to remember that he is the same God, that he never changes, and that he wants to use every good and perfect gift that he's given us. So will you approach him? Here's the question. Will you approach him with open hands and from a place of surrender? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank you that you are such a good God. And I thank you for every good and perfect gift that you give to each and every one of us. Lord, we don't deserve it. We, we can't earn it. And Lord, you've given us salvation. And just that alone is enough. But Lord, you continue to give us good and perfect gifts. And I pray that as a church and as individuals, Lord, that we can give and we can give them all back to you, Lord, that we can approach you with open hands from a place of surrender, Father, and that you'll use every good and perfect gift to connect more people to you and to fill the streets of heaven. Jesus, again, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray that today they may make that decision. Lord, take us all home safely, I pray. God, give us a great 2022 as we start this new year with you and remembering that while it is a new year, you are the same God and we love you and praise you and thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.